0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of Around the Flies. I hope you all enjoyed the final week of the NFL record season. No matter what team you root for, maybe they got in the playoffs, maybe they just missed it, maybe they you're looking forward to draft season, maybe they're tanking towards the end of the season, whatever the case may be. Uh, we're in playoff mode now, so for those of you that made it, congratulations. For those of you that didn't, always next to you, right? Um, but we are here, of course, to recap the Bills ACE clinching win over the Miami Dolphins from week 18. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. The Buffalo Bills beat the Miami Dolphins 21 to 14, mind you, in Miami. So, there was a lot of extra momentum since the Bills were on the road. Um, I know the Dolphins are. Very, very good at home this year, in a way, not so much, but we went into Miami and beat them for our fourth straight AFC East title, and a couple of records were broken or set because of that that we will touch on a little later. Of course, let's get to the six inactives pregame. Um, safety, DeMar Hamlin, obviously cornerback, Kyrie Elam, although... An injury to another corner might force him to play, um, might force him to play or at least be active and up and not healthy scratching more against the Steelers. And then defense Kingsley Jonathan, defensive tackle Linval Joe, so Puna Ford continuing to get the nod for their second straight week, which I fully support. And offensive lineman Alec Anderson and running back Latavius Murray on Saturday. Late afternoon around 4 p.m., they elevated Leno Fournette from the practice squad, and that meant to me at least, and a lot of Bills Mafia members, that yeah, they were elevating Leno Fournette to play and they have Latavius Murray as a healthy scratch. Because I said it on the recap, I've been saying it for a couple past couple weeks on here or internally, I guess Latavius Murray has broken down. He can't even do what he's brought in to do anymore. He had a wide open hole for six yards against the Patriots on third and one, and he couldn't even get a yard, zero yards. And then he – so they had to punt. And then he dropped a pass on third and two, quick three-yard pass, completely dropped it. And he's pretty horrible in the passing game. And his best attribute is supposedly – it is, actually, not supposedly. I don't want to make fun of him. But it, it, his best attribute over his career has been pass protection and pass pro, but he's been really below average – Average at best in that recently. So Lamford can come in. Lamfortnett has way more receiving upside. Well, not way more, but he has more receiving upside. So I like that move. And he's five years younger. Um, as you'll see here, the defenseman that's inactive and a healthy scratch, if you will, is Kings Jonathan, not von Miller. That's a concern for me. What 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 made Von Miller go from being healthy scratch inactive last week? To playing this week. Now, granted, he only put like four or five snaps, but those four or five snaps were awful. Like he he didn't even move upfield. What has he done all season? He keeps getting pinballed back. He keeps getting it's like bumper cars back there with him. He's all the way to other end zone, not really, but figuratively. So I don't know why he was active. And on Wednesday, so the first day of practice every week, on when last Wednesday, he uh had a vet rest day. People were clowning and making fun and saying <laughs> me too. They were saying, um why does he need a vet rest day if it even play? It's nothing to rest from. So, but I don't know what he did from this week, last week to this week to be active all of a sudden. Like he's just, I, I. It's probably, in my opinion, maybe you cut him this offseason. We'll have to have those tough discussions in our early offseason podcast episodes here. Which, by the way, I cannot wait for offseason. It's awesome. I love roster building, team building, draft, all that. Free agency, awesome. Arguably, even better than in season content because we can really get creative for offseason and all that. But we'll get there when we get there, but interesting stuff. Uh, Unfortunately, we do have – the last two weeks, the Bills have stayed really healthy, contrary to what they've had first half of the season, especially early in the season, losing all those stars and superstars. Uh, But injury news. Gabe Davis, apparently, according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, suffered a PCL sprain in his knee. It was a non-contact injury. He was just running his route. Then he pulled up weirdly, and it's a PCL sprain. His, But it's not considered to be anything major. Um, it's not considered to be anything major, I should say. And his status is unclear right now. Still TBD, I guess, to be decided for the Steelers playoff game. If I were to assume, since it's in a home environment, since it's the playoffs, since it's do or die for the Bills, since they finally want to get over that hump and get to the Super Bowl, I would say he plays, but maybe in a limited snap count, and maybe he splits time with, like, Trent Shurfield, and then Khalil Shakir also gets the more looks. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Now, I've been very adamantly not hating on Gabe Davis, but I've very, I've admitted that I'm not the biggest Gabe Davis fan, not even close. But still, even though I'm not the big Davis fan, the Bills are. He's a, So even if I'm not, that doesn't matter. My opinion goes out the window if they don't have Gabe Davis because they are big Gabe Davis fans. They really like him for some reason, but they really like his down the field ability. He's just too boomer bust for me personally, but it does take away someone from the passing game because then if 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 someone's on if someone if they're bracketing Stefan Diggs, which teams do in the playoffs, Diggs always blows up in the playoffs. The Allen Diggs connection is unreal in the playoffs. So if they bracket double coverage, whatever you want to call it, Stefan Diggs, then Gabe Davis not wide open, but he's open at least. Granted, he's got a. Catch some more passes because I feel like every big pass, um, every big pass, he kind of misses, if you will, drops. But still, um, I really like Khalil Shakir, but I don't know how Khalil Shakir will be in that future role. So I would look out for Trent Shurfield and Gabe Davis to split snaps, not like a direct split, maybe like 60 40 leaning Gabe Davis slightly. If Gabe Davis plays, I'm assuming he'll play. Next. Terrell Dotson suffered a shoulder injury. No further information is known at this time. We'll have to wait till tomorrow. So I'm recording this on Tuesday. We'll have to wait for official practice reports tomorrow. Um, If basically... Wednesday, if they don't practice, not too big of a concern. It's Wednesday, whatever. But if they don't practice on Thursday, they're probably not playing in the game. And if they don't practice on Friday, they're definitely not playing in the game. So watch out for Thursday and Friday injury reports rather than Wednesday injury reports. That's just how it's been all season for the last handful of years for any team, really, not just the Bills. But Tyrell Dotson did suffer a shoulder injury. And um, we'll talk about who came in for him in a little bit. Teaser when we get to my stack up But, yeah. Uh, T dot if you will, Tyler Dotson. I assume he won't play, and that's kind of that kind of that's a big concern for me because apparently he's PFS one of PFF's highest graded linebackers. So we'll have to see how they fill in. I would look for Balen Specter and Dorian Williams to split those reps, and Terrell Bernard to even have even more on his plate than he has been. Maybe continue to do the Jordan Poyer comes down to be that you know hybrid linebacker, and they have Taylor up and Micah Hyatt, traditional safety when you go big dime packages, when you go dime looks. So that will be interesting. Rasul Douglas suffered a knee injury. No further information is known at this time. I think he's like – I'm not going to put a percentage on it because that's not fair to assume. But I think Russell Douglas is going to play. It looks like he avoided serious injury. I mean, he's been a dynamo since he came to the Bills. Um, we only gave up a fifth-round pick. Third round pick the Packers, yeah, that's kind of steep for a corner. Even I admitted it when they initially traded for him, but then we got back Rasul Douglas in a fifth round pick. So we basically swapped the third and fifth round pick and got Rasul Douglas on top of it, which is awesome. And Christian Benford and Rasul Douglas, I feel like have been one of the more, if not the most underrated cornerback duos, CB duos, cornerback duos in the NFL. Christian Benford's that zone and man coverage guy. Russell Douglas is that ball hawk. I think I I say I think Douglas will play against the Steelers though. Again, you never know. This is just my opinion. I'm not an actor here, but obviously, um, Russell Douglas will play. I say because he said that he could have gone back in. He was cleared to go back in. He had helmet in hand, but Dane Jackson came over to him and said. I got this for you, bro, or somebody to that extent. And Rasul Douglas basically said, well, he did say that I want someone in there that's 100% rather than me at like 50 or 60%, basically what he said. So that's smart, but I think he will play just because of that comment So because he was cleared to go back in, but he wanted Dane Jackson in there who was 100%. And then Ty Johnson suffered a concussion. I don't know. Now we have a full seven days, but especially for running backs since they're running right at defensive linemen as – Big hulking, 300-plus, sometimes 320 to 330, even 340-plus pound defensive lineman. He probably won't play. It's unclear. I don't think he's officially in concussion protocol yet. He probably will be in the next couple days. He probably won't play, so that means you'll probably have James Cook as RB1, Leonard Fournette as RB2, and Latavius Murray, fortunately, as RB3. Um, I really liked how this rotation was going with just the one game we saw of it with Cook, jo- Ty Johnson, then Leonard Fournette, and Davis Murray on the bench being an active, healthy scratch, whatever you want to call it. But that will just probably have to go. So if I, to recap the injuries, Gabe Davis, PCL sprain. I think he will play against the Steelers behind a limited snap count, splitting with Trent Shurfield, including Shakir getting more looks. Uh, Tyrell Dodson suffered a shoulder injury. I don't think he'll play um, so predictively right now. So look for Dorian Williams and Baylin Specter to split those reps at weak side linebacker and Terrell Bernard to have even more us play at middle linebacker. And then, and then Jordan Poirier at the dime looks. We talked about dime packages. Whatever you want to call it. And then Rasul Douglas suffered a knee injury, avoided serious injury. It sounds like I think he'll play. And then, Ty Johnson, just because the nature of the running back position, he's probably in concussion protocol. Since he suffered a concussion, I don't think he will play. Again, just my opinion. This could all blow up in, in my face if we don't, if we get to the practice reports. And if they don't practice on Thursday, probably not playing. If they don't practice on Friday, definitely not playing. Uh stock up. Let's get to this stock report. Josh Allen finally back in the form. Like right? the last few games, Cowboys, he wasn't asked to do much. Chargers, because the run game. James Cook. And Ty Johnson actually Chargers, I mean, really off. Patriots severely off, inaccurate. So QB Josh Allen, he was thirty of thirty-eight, which computes to a seventy-nine percent completion percentage. Three hundred fifty-nine passing yards, two passing touchdowns, two interceptions. Though the two interceptions, the first one, I don't, I really couldn't tell you what happened. He threw to Eli Apple, but it wasn't like a. Wasn't like a miss. Maybe it was a misread because Gay Davis ran the route right. It was like a hitch route or an option route, like the Eagles game, option route. Did Gay Davis run the wrong route? Did Josh Allen not give him enough time to separate and come back to the ball? Did Gay Davis not come back to the ball fast enough or in time? I don't know what happened, but Josh Allen threw it right to Eli Apple. I mean, he gave him a gift. And it was a touchback, so but he gave him a gift. I don't know what happened, miscommunication between Josh and Gabe Davis, but they got to get that down. It's happened a couple times this season, namely against the Eagles, like I said, that could have been the game winning touchdown, and then against the Dolphins Sunday night. I just don't know what happened there. So, and then the second interception, I'm trying to think, the second interception was weird because it was tipped up a couple times and then intercepted by another Dolphins defender. Don't ask me who it was because I can't remember. I only remember the first one was Eli Apple. Sorry about that. But yeah, I don't know where he was going. Um, that first one was the second one was even more egregious. So the first interception, miscommunication between Josh and Gabe Davis, it can't happen. Second one, I don't know what he was thinking. It was pinballed around a couple of times. And then but he's stuck up. And he had one fumble on the ground, but 67 rushing yards mm-hmm. on the ground. But the one fumble, uh, Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins unfortunately lives in Josh Allen's head. He doesn't ever dominate him, but they always get into fights. Thank God they didn't last um, last um, uh, Sunday night. Excuse me, but Christian Wilkins said back in Week Four before the game, "Josh Allen's my best friend." Yeah, okay, buddy. I don't think he shares that sentiment with you, but you you can think that because uh, you know, he's always trying to create trouble. He forced the fumble and. Um, and uh, recovered the fumble, I was going to say. <laughs> so I think, but back to the fumble. So he fumbled earlier in the game. It was like the second quarter. And in the fourth quarter, it would have basically um, ended the game because they could just kneel it out if they had gotten the con- converted the second, fourth, and one. If Josh Allen had just stretched that ball even a couple more inches, it's a first down. You can kneel it out. Game's over. But I'm wondering, now you get something wrong, but I'm wondering if he didn't want to stretch it out because he didn't want to risk Christian Wilkins knocking it out when he stretched it out again in a, another fumble. So maybe that first fumble was in his head. Maybe Christian Wilkins was in his head. I Probably that's what happened, but I don't know, and we'll never know. Wider receiver seven digs. Finally, seven catches for 87 yards. He was awesome. He got eight targets, and he caught seven of them that, eighth, that first one. So it was no fault of his own. He had a walk-in touchdown, Jalen Ramsey was cooked. What did I tell you? Every time Jalen Ramsey has played Stefan Diggs, it hasn't gone well. He wasn't in the Week 4 matchup, so the one time he's played Stefan Diggs before, at least on the Bills, was Week 1 of 2022. So last year, the defending Super Bowl champion, Ramsey, went and blew them out. And Stefan Diggs cooked Jalen Ramsey for two touchdowns that day. And Stefan Diggs cooked the Dolphins secondary for three touchdowns in Week 4. 155 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, amazing. And he cooked Jalen again in the first quarter on the first drive of the game, at, very first drive of the game, actually. And Josh Allen just missed him. It was a layup throw. Stefan Diggs would have had a walk easily, easily a walk in touchdown. You're never going to get an easier touchdown than that. Stefan Diggs had seven catches for 87 yards. He would have had like eight catches for 130 yards at a touchdown. Like, I'm not exaggerating. That's how far it was. <clears throat> like a 50 yard walk in touchdown, running and catch. Catch and run, I mean. Uh, wide receiver Khalil Shakir, six catches for 105 yards, leading receiver of the night, not in terms of catches, but in terms of, like, pure raw production in receiving yardage and really any yardage. other than Josh Shantland, obviously, but you get my point. I said if Gabe Davis is out, then Khalil Shakir will have to stop him big time, even if he's in Trent Shurfield, but we'll have to have limited snaps with Gabe Davis. But Khalid Shagir will have to step up big time. I really like Khalid Shagir as our future slot presence. Deontay Hardy totally fizzled out. Trent Shurfield, we'll get to in a minute. Um, I really like Khalil Shagir as our slot presence for the next two or three years. So, yeah. Um, Speaking of Trent Shurfield, why is he a Trent Shurfield? He only had three catches for 24 yards, but a touchdown. That touchdown was amazing. It was like a fly ball in baseball. Josh Allen threw it off someone's helmet, and it just popped right up like twenty ten feet twenty feet in the air and Trusherville came down with it and he he had the airthall to drag his feet. It was awesome. It's like a now I don't know nothing about baseball but they referenced it it was like a fly ball in baseball. It hits Josh Allen threw it right into someone's helmet and it popped up. Excuse me. Josh Allen threw it right into someone's helmet and it popped up. And Trump came down with it. I mean that that was just that was just awesome. And the next wide receiver, Deontay Hardy, big stock up, 98-yard punt return touchdown. He's a shifty punt returner, doesn't do anything on offense. On offense, under net, he only had one catch or 12 yards, whatever. But this is what got us going. I can't remember. Did this give us the lead? Did it tie it at 14 and give us the lead at 21-14? I think it gave us the lead at 21-14, which ended up being the game-winning touchdown um, a few minutes later. Well, a handful of minutes later, I should say, rather. So, uh, yeah, Dante Hardy, 96-yard punt return touchdown. That was awesome. We haven't had a single punt return touchdown all season. Dante Hardy has lost explosiveness, clearly, from that turf, though. It was worse than we thought with the Saints last year in New Orleans. But, yeah, I mean, wow. And then tight end Dalton can seven catches for 84 yards. He's our wide receiver, too. Even with Gabe Davis in there, he's our wide receiver, too. The pecking order... I've said this multiple times before, but I want it to be even right now in the playoffs. Stefan Diggs, apparently all is healthy and normal. Not apparently. Assuming it's all healthy and normal, just let's say. Stefan Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, Khalil Shakir, James Cook. Well, switch around. And then Gabe Davis. So Gabe Davis mm-hmm. is our fifth option in the passing game. I really like that idea. But Dalton Kincaid. Seven catches for 84 yards. And then tight end Dawson Knox, two catches, 22 yards, one touchdown. Now, listen, I'm tired of bang, banging on the refs. I'm tired of complaining about it. So I'm just going to say that one PI in the first quarter, I'm going to say it once and be done, that one PI in the first quarter where Dawson Knox literally got tackled and forced us to punt because we had a flag after that was just egregious. And then that one where Stephanings caught that big deep ball, 30-yard uh, deep ball from, it might have been more, 30 about 30 yard deep ball from Josh Allen in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was pass interference. You're lucky he caught it because I would have been going crazy. So there were two clear missed pass interference calls. Um, so yeah, but I'm done talking about the rest. I'm not gonna let I'm stay positive here. Tight end Dawson Knox, two catches, 22 yards, one touchdown. I think I already said that, but uh yeah, he I'm not gonna say he was irrelevant, but he's usually brought in for blocking purposes, but they don't really want two tight end sets, 12. Big personnel, twelve personnel anymore, which I like. But maybe if Gabe Davis is out. You're gonna have to run a little more, maybe even a lot more twelve personnel to have a big body presence. Because Gabe Davis, his best attribute is honestly blocking. That's kind of sad that that's his best attribute. But he's a great, phenomenal. I would say elite blockers, one of the best blocking wide receivers in the NFL. He's always a play side blocker. It's awesome to see. And Dawson actually have to be brought in for that, especially on jumbo packages. Even David Edwards is a jumbo tight end. So, Kinkade and Knox they are really showing up here as the dynamic duo, I guess you could say. Linebacker, Tyrell Dots. And now he did leave midway through the second quarter, but he had three tackles and one sack. I've said this before. Tyrell Dots' best attribute clearly is downhill ability and tackle velocity, to take for loss, sacks, QB hits, pressure, whatever. They send him on blitzes often, and he usually gets home on that. He wits on a couple, he overpursues sometimes, but his downhill tr- and tr- blitz trigger ability is awesome. Now, don't ask him to cover. He ain't doing that. Ty- Terrell Bernard is more for that. But Tyrell Dotson, he ain't covering. But holy crap, bro. Dude, he can really trigger. He can really move downhill and get in quarterback faces. And what he did from the set. Linebacker Baylin Specter. I didn't know I'd be saying this for a special teams only player. But four tackles. He was really – he stopped on one drive. He had a nice third down tackle where the Dolphins had to putt this one drive. It was really interesting to me. I didn't understand it really during the game that when Tyra Dodson got injured, it was Baylin Spector who came in from a weak side linebacker and not Dorian Williams. I Maybe they don't trust Dorian Williams. because Sean McDermott, especially now that he's the defensive coordinator, is probably wanting the veteran guy in there. It's a do-or-die game in Week 18. Uh, but Baylin Spector, four tackles. a Nice little nugget for you there, but, but Spector. And then defensive tackle, Daquan Jones. Four tackles, one tackle for loss. I still am amazed how a man his size moves so athletically. I mean, he's used to be a stalwart run stuffer, but he still is a stalwart run stuffer. He's getting back to playing that elite um early in the season ball that he was playing. But that one tackle for loss was a really athletic play. And then coupled with that, four tackles to go along with that. Defensive man, Gregor, Rousseau. He finally showed up after a few weeks of really disappearing. One tackle, one tackle for loss and two QB hits. I mean, he filled up the stat sheet everything but the actual sack. I mean, his tackle for loss. I've said for him and Shaq Lawson are awesome coming off the edge and run stop, run stoppers. Greg Russo obviously has the pass rushing skills too, but he combines power, length, and speed and flashes them so well. He's finally put it all together. I said coming out of Miami, it'll take him two or three years. Two years, probably a minimum to refine that game because he kind of just rushed with bull rush, abandoned, got penalties sometimes. So, but one tackle, one tackle for loss, two QB hits. He was affecting in quarterback. He did everything, but get an actual, technically a sack. Cornerback, Taron Johnson, nine tackles, one tackle for loss. I know people will say he kind of had a quote unquote slump mid season there against a little after mid season there for a few weeks at the Bengals. Uh, uh, Broncos, the Eagles, he drew costly pass interference penalties, but that wasn't his fault. Sean McDermott sends it all out blitz in the defensive line, and a a few linebackers as well, and he didn't use natural pressure. And Taron Johnson was um, guarded up with guys like Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, uh, the Eagles, Devontae Smith. So... Those guys are, maybe not DeBondie Smith, those guys are considerably bigger than him, stronger, and in terms of height and physicality and weight pure size. And Taron Johnson, he's a slot corner. They're not supposed to be big, but he's finally not having him on the islands anymore. So nine tackles and one tackle for loss. It's it's really awesome. Taron Johnson, his first couple of years in Buffalo, he was playing outside corner. He was playing out of position. But now, yes, there's not many slot corners in the league that can do what he does. There's not many good slot corners in the league. Um, that can do anything, everything he does. The best flat corners of the league are Taron Johnson, Mike Hilton. You think of Trent McDuffie of the Chiefs, Devon Witherspoon already a rookie from the Seahawks, who made the Pro Bowl as a rookie. I've shared my thoughts on the Pro Bowl. Um, but yeah, so but corner Taron Johnson, really impressive. And then another corner, cornerback Christian Benford, three tackles, one pass deflection, one reception. That's two takeaways in two games in a row for him because against the Patriots, he forced a fumble and also recovered his own fumble and recovered that fumble. And then here against the Patriots, uh, Patriots, here against the Dolphins, I've seen interception. So that was really, really good to see from Christian Benford. I feel like Benford and Rasul Douglas, Christian Benford, that is, and Rasul Douglas are really underrated CB duo, cornerback duo across NFL circles. So yeah. And then um, a few safeties here Taylor Rapp, one tackle, two pass deflections, one interception, game ceiling interception. Two is trying to force the ball. Obviously, have is left-handed, so that's an advantage for a defensive back. Taylor Rapp doesn't play much. He's been playing more and more as the season has gone on. I don't really like his coverage ability. His tackling. I appreciate his tackling now and effort, but he showed off his coverage ability very well. Two pass deflections. Sunday against the Dolphins in Miami, I should say. Two pass deflections and one interception. As the saying goes, it's a wrap. Get it? Taylor Rapp, it's a wrap. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Um, But it was a wrap because Taylor Rapp um, ended it. So, yeah. Safety Jordan Poyer, six tackles. And safety Micah Hyde, two tackles and one pass deflection. Micah Hyde finally showed some semblance semblance of man coverage as he's just lost all ball skills and man coverage abilities this season. It's proof in the pudding. You watch the games. Then Jordan Poyer, a couple really, really nice physical tackles and stops on third down. Um, And then Sean McDermott. Got to praise Sean McDermott, right? Not just this game, but the second half of the season. After the whole 9-11 comments story came out. After the whole, you know, they started, they were 6-6 six and six at one point. After the whole, we got to fire Sean McDermott. He can't get past him up. Blah, 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 blah. I, I was never on that train. Yes, I had criticized Sean McDermott, but I never outright said, let's fire Sean McDermott. Let's can him. He belongs in the street, not the Bills coach anymore. No, no. I never said that. I just said I wouldn't be opposed to them doing it, but I never said let's do it. Because Sean McDermott's aggressiveness was awesome in this game. First, in the second quarter or something like that, he goes for a fourth and one on his own 35. That's like a Dan Campbell level of aggressiveness from the Dolphins. Fourth and one from his own 35. In Sean McDermott's first two or three years in Buffalo – Hell, he ain't doing that, but now that you have Josh Allen, literal stallion, and alien at quarterback, you have that ability to do that. He goes out at fourth and one on, from his own 35, and then and then they gave a generous spot to Miami, and they got the first down and third and whatever, and he challenged it and it was overturned. And then the bill the Dolphins had to punt it, and we got a touchdown off of that. I think it was the game-tying touchdown drive that tied it up at 14. From the Dawson Knox touchdown, the second touchdown game. So, clap it up for Sean McDermott. I mean, his aggressiveness was on point this game, and also he's stopped at the all blitz tendencies on this five game win streak. I mean, he got this team moving. And then, Brandon Bean, Brandon Bean, you usually don't talk about general manager and stock up, but another clap because I've talked, we've talked about before his willingness to. St- Go with his gut and stick with guys like Terrell Bernard and Spencer Brown. That is awesome. Young guys contributing first and second year players that he drafted. James Cook, Dolan Kincaid, um, uh, undrafted free agent UDFA from 2019 that's starting now, so I'm playing very well. Tyrell Dotson. Um, and then obviously uh, free agent signs that haven't done really anything all year, but ha- really, and then a rookie Osiris Torrance who's doing he's kind of hit a rookie wall the last few weeks. He started off really hot though the first half of the season. And then we have guys that um like I was alluding to before I went on the I saw before I went on the Osiris Torrance thing. Um guys are contributing like free agent science that haven't done anything all year like Trent Shorefield like Deontay Hardy with that huge kicker turn touchdown. So Sean McDermott head coach Brandon bean general manager building this super Bowl caliber roster honestly Every year is just better. Um, And then Leonard Floyd, what an addition he had. Ten half sacks and disappeared the last few weeks. He's got to come back to earth here. He's got to come up here again. But what he's done is a late June addition. I mean, just three months before the season starts, give or take. That was awesome. So Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, you deserve your flowers. End this the season right now. Mix. I only had one here because it's really positive this game. Cornerback Dane Jackson three tackles, and one pass deflection. Now, it's been really well-documented over the last couple of years, especially last year when he was thrust into a role when Trey White was injured, all that. This year, though, look, and Christian Benford was injured, and they didn't want to play rookie Kyrie Elon for some stupid odd reason. I'm not the biggest fan of Dane Jax. I don't have hatred for him. I just have a little pause with him because sometimes he does some really stupid things, like he got a couple penalties when he came in the game pretty early on when Rasul Douglas came out. But then he had a really nice pass, deflection flexion on third down that forced Miami to punt, and he had some really good tackles, but he missed a couple tackles. I, I'm still split on Dane Jackson. He's an unrestricted free agent this offseason, so I say don't re-sign him because you have Rasul Douglas, Christian Benford, Kai Ulam under contract, and who knows Trey White's future, but for now he's under contract. Trey, Trey, Trey White, that is. So I don't know, but I'm split on Dane Jackson. He made some really costly plays. Look, it did cost an end, but for him, costly plays and some really nice plays. Uh, Stockdown, I hate to do this. I hate to do this because I just got his jersey for Christmas, and I love him, and I think he's a budding star, if not superstar, in this league for this team. But running back James Cook, 13 carries, 36 yards. First of all, with the 13 carries, they didn't use them enough. I want him to get 15 to 18 rushes, not total touches, including receptions, 15 to 18 rushes per game. Because, um, but 13 carries, 36 yards. Three catches, 16 yards. He would have had four catches, like 26 yard, 21 yards and a touchdown, that five-yard touchdown pass. He dropped. I mean, he cooked his defender. You don't really say a running back cooks a defender, but he cooked linebacker safety, whoever the hell it was. Um, he I mean, he cooked him. What a move. He made a nice little spin move on him and he dropped the touchdown pass. You can't do that. And then defensive line pressure, it was really, really inconsistent. We had one sack this whole game, and it was from a linebacker, Tyrell Dodson, who ended up leaving the game, no Ed Oliver sack, no Greg Rousseau, but Greg Rousseau did everything except get a sack. Leonard Floyd and A.J. Epinesa was disappearing, although it is Epinesa's second back game back from the rib injury after he missed two games and then played against the Patriots last week and now against the Dolphins, although I think he was limited snap count last night. I'm not, I didn't see him much. He didn't record a single tackle or anything. But defense line pressure has to show up more. The whole end of half sequence, too. It was so botched and weird. First, you go from first and ten from the five. Or first and goal, I should say, from the five. And you have um, James Cook dropping a wide open touchdown pass. Then you have an incomplete pass. And then a third down with, like, ten seconds left. You throw it to Ty Johnson, and at the one yard line, he's short of the end zone. You have no timeouts left. So you're trying to kneel it, but you ran out of time. It was just a whole botched, botched sequence at the end of the first half. Not good, guys. They should have, Josh, Sean McDermott, you got to throw that into the end zone. Great game. You severely out-coached Mike McDaniel. Every time they went to Mike McDaniel in the second half, he just looked lost. He abandons the run way too much. Uh, they had 100 yards rushing in the first half. In the second half, they only had three run carries. Total from Devon Chan. three carries total and seven yards in the second half. So um yeah, but you gotta throw that in the end zone. It's either end zone or nothing there. If it's incomplete in the end zone, whatever field goal to go up at halftime. Well not to go up, but you know what I mean. And then speaking run defense, leaky run defense in the first half, like very leaky. Um 100 yards to Devon A Chan in the first half. I don't really understand how that happened. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. Luckily, they went around abandoned the run. Meg McDaniel got severely outcoached and abandoned the run the second half and went away for it for some reason. Don't ask me. I'm not Meg McDaniel, but hey, I'm happy he abandoned the run. Uh big slice of the game award. Wide receiver Deontay Hardy. I mean, props to him after not doing anything all season. He does nothing on offense. He he plays like two or three snaps a game. That's his workload of um gets like no targets at all, comes in, gives us the lead off of a punt return mm-hmm. touchdown, which I believe ended up being the game-winning touchdown at the time. We didn't know it, but since we won 21-14 and he gave us that 21-14 lead, it was. I could have gone Stefan Diggs here, but that's too obvious. I could have got Josh Allen here. I really could have gotten Dalton Kincaid. A lot of guys, there's up. I say Deontay Hardy for finally waking up and doing something in the return game. Burnt slice of the game award. I have nobody. Like, Dane Jackson was mixed for me. But, like, James Cook dropping a wide-open touchdown pass. But I don't want to slam James Cook like that. Dane Jackson, I'm wishy-washy on. But, like, I mean, he didn't do anything to, like, cost us in the end of it, end result. So, nobody for burnt slice of the game award. Which, that's only happened, I think, the second time this season that's happened. Week four against Miami It was the other time, funny enough. Uh, reflecting on five game predictions from preview, these were underdog fancy player props to a tiger below over zero and a half interceptions. That was easy, it happened. He got two Tyreek Hill. And this wasn't a player prop because Tyreek Hill didn't have any props when I checked it in the preview last Thursday, so I made this up. Tyreek Hill's held to under 85 receiving yards. That happened barely, but it happened by three yards. He had 82, so two of two so far. Josh Allen over one-and-a-half passing touchdowns. He finally got back to his groove, 300-plus yards passing and two passing touchdowns, so that happened. Stefan Diggs over 59-and-a-half receiving yards. That easily happened. He had 87, and like I said, he would have had like 120, 130 in touchdowns, Josh had just laid that easy walk-in touchdown up for him. And then Bills win the game. I said thirty-one twenty-four. Bills won, but exact score wasn't right. They ended up winning twenty-one fourteen, so they won by seven. I just the scores a bit off. So I'll give myself four point five out of five, and that easily my best, uh, my best rate on picks. Whatever I want to call it, rate hit rate. There it is, hit rate on five predictions like we do every week. Um, Bills records that were set and broken Sunday night. We actually got a, f- a few here. Don Kincaid. Got 73 catches on the season this year, meaning he surpassed Pete Metzeler's mark of 68 catches set in 1993 to become the Bills' single-season all-time tight end receptions leader. I know that's a mouthful, but Dalton K. with 73 receptions is now the Bills' single-season tight end receptions leader. Not just for a rookie tight end Bills franchise history, tight end altogether. That shows you they know have much tight end success in their league history. But Pete Metzeler's was. According to my dad, don't ask me. I was I was born two thousand three. I was born ten years after nineteen ninety-three when he said it. So what would I know? But apparently I guess I should put highlights of him, but apparently he was really good. Uh so yeah. Josh Allen led the this isn't a record, but this is so cool. Josh Allen led the league this year in total touchdowns with 44 and total yards at 4,830 as well. I mean, come on, man. That's something. That is something. He had 10 more rushing yards in the season than Devon Achan, who got off to one of the hardest starts we've ever seen. 10 more rushing yards this year than Devon Achan, who's a running back. He's just a freak of nature. 44 total touchdowns this year and 4,830 total yards. Well, a, lot of, a big chunk of that is rushing, too. I mean, what the hell? That's, that's like on inhuman things. That's like not even human. Uh, the Bills won their 14th consecutive December-January regular season game. So basically when they have to go on runs in December and January, like 2021, when they were 7-6, and six, they won eh, four in a row to finish 11-6. This year when they were 6-6, eh, six and six, they had to go win five in a row to get in the playoffs and win the AFC East, as it shows now. And they did that. So December and January, they go on runs, and they're awesome, winning 14 in a row in those two months, respectively. By beating the Dolphins and winning the AFC East again, fourth straight year. <laughs> the Bills joined Kansas City. The Kansas City Chiefs is the only two teams to win 10-plus games and earn a playoff berth in each of the last five seasons. Think about that. The Bills and Chiefs are the only two teams at 32 in the entire NFL to win ten, at least 10 games and get a playoff berth in each of the last five seasons, 2019-20, 2020 and 2023. That's just insanity to me. You want to bang on Sean McDermott? Fine. You want to bang on Brandon Bean for his whiffs in the early rounds and first round especially with Kyrie Elam. Fine. Brandon Bean builds an immaculate roster every year. Sean McDermott, he's probably going to hire a defense coordinator next year, but he's gotten those early midseason struggles out of his tendencies. Um, uh, the way he's become way more aggressive as it has gone on, like going for us 35, challenging it here and there. I mean, it is awesome. That stat is awesome. And, guys, we won the AFC East for the fourth straight year in a row. And, man, man, I didn't think this would happen. I thought it was all over. I didn't think we'd make the playoffs. We were 6-6. and People before the season, I never once, this wasn't just bias, I never once believed in the Jets hype. Even with Aaron Rodgers, I think they would have missed the playoffs. I really do, by a couple games. There would have been, obviously, a couple more wins, but I think they still would have missed the playoffs if he had stayed healthy all season. Everyone picked the Dolphins before the season because they're the shiny new toy, and the Bills are the boring old team that always wins the ACE East. Got to change it up. No, you don't. Nope. Bills went for four straight year. Everyone got bored before the season. And Nick Wright, Nick Wright. I'm calling him out. Yeah, Nick Wright on First Things First on Fox Sports, whatever the hell he does. He said the Bills at six and six. There is zero, zero percent chance that the Bills, Buffalo Bills, make the playoffs. They are not winning five games in a row. He says on November twenty seventh. Well, what do we do now? Great. It feels he. I'm embarrassed for him. Honestly, he makes he makes a buffoon of himself. But whatever. Anyway, coming up on content this um, week on the channel, we got a lot going on. Um, as the week goes on, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, within the next few days, we have um, full playoff bracket. How will that shake out all the way from the wild card around this weekend to the Super Bowl in February? I think it's February 11th. And then we got power ranking the 14 playoff teams. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we got power ranking the 14 playoff teams based on how they are coming into the season. Some of them are really cold, some of them are really hot, some of them are in between. So we'll do that. And then obviously Thursday, the big Bills Steelers preview. So a lot of content coming up on the around the slice YouTube channel here. So that's why if you're listening, I appreciate you, but I encourage you, I really do encourage you to come over to the YouTube channel around the slice on YouTube. And speaking of where you can find me, you can find me personally on Twitter at a 13 You can follow the show on Twitter at around slice. Uh, I do have a TikTok where I post shorts sometimes, occasionally. Sometimes I forget. Post now. Um, But there'll be a lot of content. If any breaking news comes where I can't get to my laptop or whatever, I'll just do it on my phone quick and break it there on TikTok. And then you can watch slash listen to this podcast on YouTube, of course. But YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast, wherever you pod. And then finally, and this is a mouthful, but finally, you can support me on Patreon for just $3 a month. You get extra exclusive content. Again, that's just $3 a month. Not found in the podcast, it's patreon.com slash around the slice. So, yeah, Bills Steelers playoff game in Buffalo, but four straight AFC titles. Okay, I'm done with that. Um, yeah, I don't, I just don't know what to say. This is just a surreal moment. I, I don't know. Finish going from 6 6 to 11 6 and four straight AFC titles. Uh, yeah, okay, I, I'm done. Bye.